scholar. Stretch. Cookie. We gotta get it to a hospital. Look, Doc, girl just OD. She hasn't said a word in over an hour, and I'm scared she's gonna die. Gurney! Ever feel like your luck's running out, man? Lately, I've been feeling like my luck's been running out. I'm kicking, and I want you to do it with me. Me and my friend need to get into a detox today. You got that Medicaid card to get into the program. To get temporary Medicaid, you gotta go to the new office. Take a seat. Your name will be called. Temporary Medicaid cards are issued only for medical necessity. Why is everything such a hassle with you guys, huh? Your number has already been called, sir. Yeah, well, I was in the bathroom. You'll have to take another number. What? Better go on and get this out of my face, man, before I shoot him. Excuse me. I believe you have something that belongs to us, and we'd like to get it back. I can't believe you sometimes. <laughs> it's almost 5 o'clock, and we're not giving out any more appointments. We only do referrals here now. These people working these government jobs, and you can't get them to help you. If by some miracle you do get them to help you, they give you all this attitude, like you're wasting the time or something. You don't have any insurance. How do you plan to pay for this? Possibly money order. <laughs> Three lefts, a right, and a left. Two rights, two lefts, and a right. Two rights, three lefts, and another two lefts. It's around the corner on the left. You got beautiful eyes. God bless your eyes. Alexa! Fill this out and bring it back to me. So forget that we bleed to death. You walk in here after five, ten, however many years. Five And because today is the day you decide to kick, the whole world is supposed to stop! Somehow I don't think this was my parents' dream for me. Life is too short, I feel trapped, hoping I don't get caught. Watch my back, lost in the traffic, heart is a tragic. Life is a traffic jam. Life is a traffic jam. Life is a traffic jam. Yes, another one back again. No Chase Film Society. I am Chris Ali, and uh, you are streaming the first part of a six-part series. We're doing the first uh, No Chase Film Society podcast series uh, dedicated to the filmography of the iconic Tupac Shakur. This is part one of that. You're streaming it with us, and uh, this moment is 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 historic in a lot of ways, man. Uh, we got the we got the, the the faithful and the and the head honcho, of course, on the other side of this podcast, Big D. What's up, brother? What's good, bro? You know, uh, another you know another faithful uh, member of society as always. But we're in a different different energy right now, man. We got a different energy we bring into this because right now, um, I have the privilege of. Uh, being joined by actually uh, the first guest we've ever had in any type of No Chase podcast. Um, so I'm glad to introduce to the show, man, but he's also a a fellow OTS uh, podcaster. He has a, a podcast that you can uh, currently stream actually right now on the any OTS podcast platform. Whatever you use to uh, listen to No Chase on, you can also listen to this particular podcast, which is The Boulevard. And uh, it's hosted by... Uh, the brother I got on the other end of this podcast, uh, my brother Ben. What's up, man? Oh, what's going on, man? I feel I feel happy to be here. I feel like I'm on like uh, 
late night talk radio right now with, the, uh, <laughs> with Barry White. That's crazy. What's going on, y'all? Good. What's happening hey. with you, man? Welcome, welcome, bro. Thank you for uh, for doing this with us, man. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I wanted to bring another voice to this. You know what I'm saying? Because we talking about a, a big subject. You know what I'm saying? We talking about a bit a big subject. Uh, from what Derek told me, the feedback on this is real good. I appreciate y'all for for uh, for connecting with us with with us on this because this this something this this project of actually going into Tupac's filmography, film by film, in long form detail, um, I think is is needed right now. You know, what I mean, particularly considering the type of voice that he was and um, just the nature of, of of his work and the undertone of his work. And the right. lack of it that we see now. So, uh, you know, Ben, you know, joining us with this and bringing a fresh perspective besides Derek and myself, man, I think it expands the conversation, you know, and uh, I appreciate it, man. Hey, like I said, I appreciate y'all having me. I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm ready to get to it. Yeah, yeah. So as y'all see, you know, I mean, this is this is a podcast. So y'all understand what y'all are streaming right now. Our first conversation that we're going to launch with this Um episode one of this particular series is going to launch with the uh, 1997 release uh, Pac gave us uh, Pasha's, uh, I always have trouble with that word. Is Pasha's it posthumously? Posh, Posh, man, Derek Post. speaks way better English than I do, man. I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> posthumously. I don't think it's posthumously. I think it's a Posh. Posthumously somewhere in there. After his death. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah Post-death, after death. Uh, this is one of the ones that came out um, during that period. It's one of three films. Actually, it's the first. Um, we're we're going to cover the three films that were released after his death first and then cover the other half of his filmography, which is... Uh, the three films that he released in life that we got in life. This is one of the ones that came out in 97. Uh, Gridlock, starring, of course, uh, Tupac Shakur, Tim Roth, in a very common racist-ass role um, for Tim Roth. You know, Tim right. Roth is a fucking <laughs> racist a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and we'll get to that later. But, yeah, we're launching this off with Gridlock, man, uh, 1997. A uh, well, I, I want to give the floor to uh, to Ben on this one a little bit, man. Just to kind of, I want to share what this film is about. Normally, I, I, you know, Derek, those to me, I break down what the film is about in whatever way I can, and then we go into it. But I want to do it a little different. I want us to kind of collectively talk about because we all saw the film, you know. Right. right? Um. So I kind of want to, to collectively just share what this film is because to me. It's one of my favorite junkie movies. I like junkie movies. You know what I mean? Junkie movies are pretty pretty uh pretty entertaining to watch. You know what I'm saying? And this is up there with one of like the all time great junkie movies. You know, up there, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Panic and Needle Park. That was an early Al Pacino movie, but he played a, a real good junkie. Was yeah. that the joint? He was a junkie. He was a junkie. He was a pimp. He pimped his girl out. He was, yeah, that was early Pacino was 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 on some shit, man. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, I want to get into that a little bit later. But yeah, Panic and Needle Park. Um, if you if you into junkie movies like I am, um, you know, check that one out. Check that one out. And uh, this is up there. You know, this is up there. This is one of those. 
interesting junkie movies, man, that just show you the the, the lapidating condition addiction will put you in. I'll just open it with that. Yeah, I thought it was um I thought it was pretty interesting too because this was the very first movie that re- released after Tupac was murdered. So like we went from of course seeing him as you know Thug Life, uh Death Row, MOB Blood, Tupac immediately to like junkie Tupac. So it was a right. to me it was interesting just kind of thinking back to that time. And them even still like not putting makeup over his tattoo, so he had the thug life tattoo, the AK forty seven, all that. So it was like, yeah, I thought that was it, interesting. Yeah, like so, and like as far as like junkie movies go, I'm, I'm not necessarily a junkie movie advocate, but <laughs> I'm a pretty harsh, um, opioid detractor. You feel me? So normally, like these days, a lot of people. Um, look at opioid addiction or um, I forgot they got a fancy term for it now, but I forgot what it was. But they look at opioid addiction and since it's pre- predominantly white, they look at it and say, OK, um, he's a good person. He just got caught up in doing this. He got caught up in doing that. Since this movie was shot in 90, well, probably shot in 96, released in 97. It's really like a, a look at junkies doing some messed up stuff. And it's just because they're messed up people. And not necessarily like the the undertone, like oh he's a great guy trying to get an extra dollar type situation. So between seeing Tupac as a junkie and you know the opioid addiction uh, wave that's come back now, like that being in its play twenty years ago almost, that's kind of what what, what what drew me in. Right, it's still relevant. You know, right, it has, a, has a relevance to it. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't see it like that. Um, I definitely um, agree with that and see it as a social commentary. You know, it's it's one of those movies. I mean, it's a movie Tupac would do. You know, I mean, that, that you can you can tell that the soul of Tupac um, wanted to tell a story because, um, you know, he had that he had a relationship with with uh, dependency. You know, what I mean, right. Uh, with, 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 his, with his mother. So, you know, exactly. I can understand why a Tupac Shakur uh, as a as a as a man, as, as an artist. And with an artistic artistic soul, will want to take a role like this, um, because he played it, man. I mean, he played it. it. It was it was like I said, a very interesting junkie role. And sometimes a, a person can play a junkie, and it's it's a character. You know what I mean? It's a comedic effect to it, or you can just tell it's it's a costume almost. You know, every, everybody doesn't get away with that, but you you generally saw a person with this particular character, which is a spoon. Uh, is his name in this particular right. film? Um, so yeah, man, yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, man. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a it's an eerie relevance to it. Another thing, though, um, that I don't know if many people know, I just happen to listen to a lot of podcasts. But how you was mentioning, Chris, how this is a role that Tupac, Tupac would play because it's a lot of re- uh, relevance in his life. MC8 mm-hmm. was saying in a. a interview with the the people's party talib Kweli's podcast that tupac was supposed to play the um rashad or rashid character in menace to society but he didn't right. want to play it because he wasn't going to be able to be like volatile he didn't want to be the peacemaker so right. it's interesting that we of course saw tupac you know rounding back to what i was saying earlier like we saw tupac as the always volatile always on the go um you know death row rapper we saw him go mm-hmm. from that 
and then actually go to the essence of what his life growing up probably was and, and playing the Spoon character. So I like how you brought that part up too. Right, right. Derek, uh, so your perspective, man, on, on what, what, what you would say that the plot to that stood out to you or the plot to you in this? Um, I actually thought that the... So I, Tupac, I don't know why, um, but he honestly didn't strike me as someone that was um, that was a, a drug user, appearance-wise. So you said he didn't pull it off. No, 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 no. I'm just saying look-wise, like like Tim Roth's character. I'm trying to character. get you to piss some Pac fans off though, like early huh? in the game. No, I, I want know. you to piss some pop fans off. <laughs> I want you to say that you felt like that pop didn't play the role of as a junkie. You need to say that because it sounds like that's where you come with that. Okay. But you tipped around because I, you don't want to piss the pop fans. I picked up on that. Not, not that. Nah, I'm not tipping around. I just, I think, I think he, he, he's okay. Fine, I'll say it. He did not play. The, he did not look like a crackhead or 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 cokehead. Cokehead. I'm sorry. He, didn't no, like, he was on heroin. Heroin? But he okay. also did cocaine, according to Cookie. Right. Yeah. So he, he, but he didn't look like that to me. But they were calling heroin blow in this movie, though, right? That's at least, that's yes. what I call it. So yeah, that's what were. threw me off, too. Now, because they did, they did reference coke early. Uh, Cookie right. did reference, he's right about that. But at one yeah. point, I thought they called heroin blow in this movie. Yeah, and she did. Say coke. So that yeah, threw me did. off a little bit as to what the fuck they were getting high on. Yeah. Um, but clearly it was heroin movie, as you watch him, they're, they're off they try and get off heroin. Right. Yeah. But he, he didn't look like a cracker. He looked like a healthy guy. Um stretch. So he wasn't like he's on crack. He wasn't on crack in the movie. Whatever, crack heroin. <laughs> hey, no, nah, look, bro. All it's a big he different. didn't look like it. I know, I know. You, did, you don't think he, he looked addicted look like to it. any type of dope? He didn't look, no, he just looked. Like a, he just looked like he was addicted to smoking cigarettes. That's that's what Man, I saw. They didn't finish one cigarette in that entire movie. Not, in that not entire one. movie, they lit up one. Scene that finished not one cigarette. <laughs> All right, man. Okay. Since it, it's not, see, see, I think, man, you're coming back on for a couple more of these episodes because I see you watch and you notice the little shit. You notice, you notice the subtleties of the of, of the weird shit in movies, right? I trust. He, so I, I got one that I've been wanting to bring out. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and bring that out now. Just, just, to, just to, out of curiosity, see if y'all noticed. Uh-huh. See, I don't, I don't want to bring it out this early because it was actually the best scene in the movie. You know what I'm saying to me, because I, I want to yeah. kind of get into what y'all uh, like most about the film. But um, just, to, just, just for the sake of this though, um, to me, the best scene in the movie is the shouting match with Tim Roth, and I think the brother was, is James Pickens. Uh, uh, he's he hasn't done a whole lot that I've seen in movies. I think he's, he's done a couple of films. I think he was oh, the yeah. dad and. Um, Loving basketball, I want to say. I want he was somebody. He was no, no, he was. Yeah, he was. I think he was a dad in loving basketball, and he was actually the uh, so one of the supervisors. They, they call him the supervisor in the credits. His name is uh, James Pickens. Yeah, the yeah. shouting between them two, right? Which to me was Down a hilarious. Scene. Yeah, at the office, you know. That um, was hilarious. So 
Uh, yeah, one, my favorite scene in the damn movie. But did you notice the uh, that what ended up being called the the, uh, the blind man on the rampage? Did you notice how he was creeping in the background and, and heard the shouting and shit and kind of peeped? You know, and got and kind of paused for a minute. <laughs> hey, that's what made him finally turn up. Like, hold on. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I just that 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 just added you know something to the movie to me. That was pretty funny. That yeah, that's interesting. Like, cause that that makes sense of the the whole tirade that the blind man went on. Cause like when you see him kind of have his yeah. his his interest peaked a little bit. Like, okay, I'm supposed to be yelling at these people. That's how I'm supposed to get my <laughs> point across. He just yeah, he just went a little od. See, that makes so much more sense now. Cause I, I was so thrown off by that. No, nah, he he was in the mix of that whole shit. So like, okay. <laughs> it's just crazy how all the chaos his ass was. The little blind motherfucker who just exploded. In this I, was like, was like, I was like, what is going on, man? <laughs> okay. Which, 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 which again, like, which is good filmmaking because we need to talk about the filmmaker, uh, Curtis, um, Bondi Hall. Hold on, got his name right. Yeah, Bondi Curtis Hall. Bondi Curtis Hall. Okay, but got it mixed yeah. up. But you know, he hasn't he hasn't done. He's done a few things. You know, some movies that um. That that shall not be mentioned, uh, like that Tony Braxton movie, you know that was, uh, <laughs> whew. But, uh, but no, this 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 was a good movie from him, you know. And yeah. you know, movies like this make you wonder. Uh, and he actually wrote and directed this film. And from what I understand, there's some autobiographical points um, or aspects to it related to him in this film. So, um, good work from him and good filmmaking. But I'm trying to understand how this movie was filmed in Detroit, but we kept seeing Ohio license plates. You there's know place in Detroit. But that's like I didn't like you know that's crazy. Damn movie. I didn't peep that. Well okay. I cut him some slack. I cut him some slack. Um Toledo, Ohio is like an hour outside of Detroit. So maybe D Reaper came in and you know he was like the the ohio plug for like the detroit i think one had a uh had a ohio plate on it too man i I saw that plate twice but okay i'll just go ahead and ride with you that this dude drove in from ohio hey but you know if if you saw more ohio stuff because i'll be i'll be honest like seeing as though vondi is from detroit he should have known for one not to have Tupac saying like yo at the end of his sentences and right. um he also when they went to get the the hot dogs I'm right. I'm an hour and a half north of Detroit by the way so this is where this is coming from when they went to get the hot dogs in Detroit you either get a coney dog or you get a Polish a Polish sausage so the fact that Tupac got a fully dressed hot dog like a New York dude and <laughs> the white dude got stretch got a a plain hot dog two plain hot dogs like a weirdo like that threw me off like this is supposed to be in detroit but like this is not detroit at all outside of the fact that you know um there were no real like detroit uh landmarks and they said that the office was downtown but at the end of the movie they said like an eight mile address which wouldn't run through the actual city but not that's a point that we don't have to get to 
No, that's oh, that's wow. that's interesting. So basically, uh, Von D. Curtis all just fucked up the authenticity of this film altogether. <laughs> Man, look, he's from, he he was probably born in Detroit, but the way this movie played out, I don't I don't think he was in Detroit soon after his first movie. <laughs> I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have known that. That's funny. But uh, but yeah, the, the Ohio place took me out of Detroit. You know, pretty much well into the movie, I just kind of gave up on Detroit. I mean, the DTA bus kind of told me that this was that was Detroit uh, transportation or some shit. Right. Jumped on, but yeah, I I never saw Detroit in this movie. Um, I never felt Detroit, and you're right. Uh, for some reason, even with uh, with it being Tupac and even with the Thames, I I did have like okay, maybe this is New York. And yeah. then, then it was kind of like fuck it, you yeah. know. It's just it's a it's an urban <laughs> area where the junkies can just ride up and run up in a junkie's house and smoke dope with a dead d- drug dealer right there, <laughs> you know. That that's whatever city this this shit goes down in. I don't know, but okay, yeah, I wanted there, to talk there, about there that. There was too. some there yeah. was some moments in the we, let, let, it, there was some some moments in the movie that was like, yeah, that, that, that you you threw me out. of I don't know what reality y'all living in, you know. I, y'all, I'm not keeping up with it. I'm not identifying with it. Yeah, because like, okay, uh, heroin, from what they say, is a downer. I don't do heroin, so I don't know personally, but it seems like you wouldn't want to put yourself in a situation to where you see your drug dealer dead. You find his drugs, it seems like the next thing you would do would not be to sit down at his dining room table while he's dead in the background and shoot up some dope, but... I don't know. Okay, I, I guess... but we ought to believe that these are because these are okay. I, now this is another they are thing. Junkies. Yeah. They are junkies though. We're, we're, they are junkies, right? We're to believe mm-hmm. these are some really, but 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 Tupac is a rather rational junkie in this movie, right. you know. But I just didn't mm-hmm. see him being as as strung out as to play. Okay, I'm gonna sit in here, and we know that the, the dude that possibly killed him is a dude that's already on our ass for us, you know, selling the bullshit to. And, right. you know, maybe cop, maybe more people could be here. Maybe the cops could be on the way. Like, I never saw talk as that much of an irrational junkie. I saw him somewhat of mm-hmm. a functioning junkie, if you can be at that type. Like I said, I'm not familiar with heroin either. I don't know the experiences of heroin at all. Never knew any addicts of heroin. I just, like, watch them in movies like this. You know what I mean? And <laughs> movies like this really don't show me heroin addicts. That that showed much rationale, so I can kind of feel you, D, a little bit. All right. Yeah. A, a little see, bit on that. I I can because but, at one minute these you know Tupac was pretty goddamn rational, yeah. but they're strung out to to smoke dope in the presence of a dead body, a fresh dead body. Yeah, yeah. Um, actually, too, because uh, they didn't know she was see? dead in the closet. She was. They, they didn't, didn't, yeah, they didn't know she was. They didn't know there. she was dead until they heard that on the news. Yeah, you know, they also didn't really care to look either, though. It was like, yo, where's homegirl? <laughs> no, we finna get high. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But Park never uh, showed me that that type of junkie. That's why it threw me off as to, well, maybe this is, this is, uh, you know, part of the, the, the community, the, the, you know, <laughs> that particular so, area. So, can I ask you guys a question? Um, I read something. Uh, earlier that said that um, Von D. Curtis Hall originally offered the part of Spoon to Lawrence Fishburne. Um, he couldn't <laughs> afford Fishburne's salary. Um, of course also Right. <laughs> but he also offered that part to Don Cheadle and Forrest Whitaker. Do you think 
any of those guys could have pulled this this role off better no. than Tupac. No. no. Because because you're pretty much playing a junkie. Like this is a junkie movie. I mean, I'm not this saying this was that a junkie to be, movie to be yeah. you know funny. <laughs> I mean, this was a junkie movie, and um, that's a, that's a pretty bold role, man. That's what I'm saying. And I, and I guess I was going to get to later in my commentary, but uh, I, I want to you know give room to Ben for this as well. But that to me is a testament to the greatness of, the, of this man, Tupac Shakur. You know, mm-hmm. this, 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 you know, this is a pretty bold role to play for a man of his stature and what he was it on is. in his career. And yeah. and yeah, go ahead because uh, I got I got more to say on that based on other scenes in the movie. Oh no, I was gonna say especially since like if he didn't die, like this could have very well been like a huge like dent or like a chink in his armor. You know what I mean? Like going mm. from you know, cause okay, what was the last Tupac album to come out before Columinati? Was that All Eyes on Me? Uh, yeah. Okay, so you got All Eyes on Me, Tupac, going straight into being a dope fiend. And this is not, this is not, you know, keep your head up, Tupac. Where it's like, okay, I can see Tupac rationalizing with being like with with the, with the dope fiend or ra- so you rationalizing think these with. Been, these would have been used in a, in in, in a diss song. <laughs> Bro, shit. if if of course, if 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 I'm Biggie in '97, we both still alive. The the gun, the vibe party never happened, and I see Tupac playing a dope fiend in a low budget movie, getting called a nigga <laughs> by, by, by Tim Roth. Yes, I'm, I'm dissing Tupac because it's 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 literally against everything that he stood for. <laughs> You know, it's, it's, it's against everything that he that he stood so for. You I would think Gridlock would have been the movie to fuck up Pop's career. Of course. Not, no not the fact he played the dirty cop, but he played a dope thing. That would have been the movie oh, to fuck him up. You can play it. He would have been original IP, uh, I guess, by playing a dirty by playing a cop role. Because he was probably one of the first of the gangster rap, you know, element, you know, I mean, with the anti-cop lyrics, so to speak. That played a cop cop role. You gotta put Pac in that category too. He's a dirty cop. Mm-hmm. But I think that's how you that's how you that's how you let that situation play though. Like if you play a dirty cop, then you could still say I hate police because the first time you uh, represented one on TV, you represented one in the worst light possible. Okay. You know what I'm saying? A dope fiend would have ruined his his the the image and his artistic integrity. Of course, of course. Now the thespians would have definitely been like, "Yo, you did that. That was nice." But like, the think about all the fake bravado from the '90s until literally like 2017. Yeah, <laughs> like think about how tough and like <laughs> nothing's wrong with me. Think about it. Like even even though like the Houston rappers, you know, they sibling, which is opioids as well. Like that's cool. But as soon as I say I sip lean and I'm five four and I got red dreads. Then that's not cool. Then I'm a junkie again, right? So, just imagine how long of a period of time in hip hop where you had to be like the tough guy, the strong guy. I smoke weed and I drink forties and I'm cool. So being a dope fiend who stands in the same stall as a white dude and pees in the same toilet, like that's not cool. So that was also awesome odd scenes in this yo, movie. That, that was, was definitely very, one very of odd. <laughs> okay, well that's that's uh, yeah, that's one of the, the odd scenes. Let's go to the original one. Okay. 
And it but was also okay. I, I want, I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask because you know maybe I could be looking in in whatever direction I'm looking in because of my mind. Okay, and how the fuck I'm wired. But right. <laughs> I, I got a, a quick vibe that there was some three way shit going on yes. in that relationship. All right. Yeah. And, and it came early in the movie, so yeah. I'm I'm just asking, did you sketch the 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 what could be the subtle homoerotic tone that was going on between them two, uh, smooth yeah. stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I think they brought it. The second time on this back to life. I didn't went. I didn't mention the homoerotic <laughs> shit. You know, that's it, based on that last movie we talked about. But that just that just threw me off for a minute. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, like when you mean like like the opening scene when. Uh, I don't think it was the opening scene, but when when Tupac came in with Cookie on the, on her on his shoulder, and ran around mm-hmm. and then threw her on his lap on a stretcher's lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I took that, that as being weird, them. but I thought it was just like some junky stuff. Like you know, we had sex, but I mean, you and I spoon. I mean, you and I stretch. We can also have sex because we share needles and go looking for drugs together. So that was well, like she straight I, up <laughs> told him you could have joined us. She yeah. straight up told him. Said us. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you could have joined us. That's what, yeah. Which that's that's the line that threw me off. I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> so Tupac is engaging in, well, Spoon is engaging in group oh. sex with Tim Roth. But because he has <laughs> HIV, he can't fuck him. We find that right. out. In some and I was trying to, ass, yeah, like, I was going to. Guy, bro. I was going to that too. Like, and I guess that kind of battles what you said, Chris, about uh, Tupac or uh, Spoon being the more rational junkie is that uh, Stretch somehow found a way to always use his own needles and never smash Cookie in order to not give them HIV so I felt like that was a, a pretty cool thing of him to do outside of whatever he did to get HIV very considerate junkie very considerate <laughs> HIV positive junkie Tim Ruffin I'm saying <laughs> fuck Stretch in this movie fuck him you know, like I, I did. It, it the the whole reason it makes, like, there's nothing really special. Well, wait a minute now. Okay, Stretch is was somewhat smart. Somewhat, he showed a strike of intelligence with the cop shit. Yeah. All right, mm-hmm. but I think that was, you know, only to just show this white guy in some halfway decent light. You know, yeah. next to Tupac, because overall the character, you know, what I mean, the character was a piece of shit. He wasn't shit. Like he wasn't yeah. shit. There was there was really nothing about him. I mean, we didn't even really know him as a keyboard player. We saw him as a junkie in this movie. So you can't even really re- respect the character as a musician uh, so too much. But for some reason, he's called the resident scholar at the end of this movie. Like, what the fuck makes Stretch relevant to anything scholarly in this movie? Besides, he's white. You know what I'm saying? And he had the decency to tell you he had, he had HIV while he was doped the fuck up in a bathroom. Trying to get, he never wanted to get. Trying clean. to get more. Yeah. He never wanted he to get clean. I don't think he ever wanted to get clean. I think. Nah. And I think to me, that is what communicates the the possible homo shit that could have been going on with them. Because what what was the dedication <laughs> to him and this man? Like what what yeah. was the attachment to this man? Because yeah, if I if I'm a dope fiend and you tell me like yo, um, we should we should stop doing heroin. I'm gonna be like fam. You should stop talking to me. I'm about to go get some heroin right now. So, <laughs> like, 
looking at their dynamic and then also like i mean i know it's a movie so i know some things have to be brought together for time and just for shots and whatnot but the fact that they did everything together and it's like yo we need this and okay we're in line we need to get medicaid cards and okay hey you're not gonna see me because we're going to uh kick you know and uh it's our uh, new year's resolution and all that like so when you when you look at it that paired with the opening scene about the, the the mention of group sex and then you know um the bathroom scene with them all peeing in the toilet at the same time uh i guess they alluded to it and maybe that's something that tupac was like all right now nah, okay i'll be a dope fiend but this well, and maybe this the script not... was was, was kind of smudged in in areas where it could have been more expressive yeah, I would actually I like to, kind of see that. to go into that. And see, that's okay. why I'm asking. That's why I ask if, if um, uh, uh, these other guys would have done a little bit better with that because I, I, I somewhat think Don Cheadle would have pulled it off, like every aspect of this character. Don Cheadle, I can see in this, but um, but then again, you know, I. I I don't know, man. I mean, you know, everybody can't pull off a a, a, a competent junkie if, if I can say it like that. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, think it, I think he could have. Sometimes I, I a person can, put, can play a junkie role, especially when they're those real established actors, um, real prestigious yeah. type actors. It just looks like a performance, and you don't really take it serious. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the junkie role, and I'm a pretty, I'm a junkie role expert. You know, what I mean, from to, from Ray, classic junkie <laughs> movie. I mean, like I said, Panic in Needle Park. Um, <laughs> Ray uh, is a classic it, junkie movie. Yeah, hey, that's a, I mean, come on. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's another one called uh, The Light Sleeper. That's a real good junkie movie, man. There's some so crazy really white junkies in that one. Light heroin, Sleeper. Uh, heroin addiction in your, uh, like, Hulu? Or how do you find these movies? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I file them, and I think individually, man. These are movies that I, I just file movies, and you know, in, in different compartments, like junkie movies, and you know, um, you know, just certain, certain, you know, certain type of filings that I have, and that's just one of them. Well, also Requiem uh, for a Dream, which oh, we did yeah. an episode on we did that. Episode on that classic junkie movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think those movies are good to watch, man. To to number one, give you a perspective on why you don't want to do that shit. Um, Man. But it also takes you to a different world, you know, to, to watch. To watch. It's, it's, it's a world. You know, you kind of want to put New Jack City in that, even though it's not... It's on the other side. It's, yeah, it's, it's more of a crime. You're on the crime drama side. But, um, yeah, man, it just, it, just, it just takes you to that world, man. You know? So when you, when you talk about different worlds and whatnot, let's... Uh... Let's take it to a different type of ethos real quick. The world of black movies, right? This is what kind of had me um, torn. I didn't really know where to file this specific, specific excuse me, not, movie. And I purposely didn't go into all my files. I was struggling to try to pick some that, you know, but I, I don't, you know, I filed crazy shitty movies that I like, and they're they, they different types. And I'm not going to put all of them out like that. Not on this this a this a this a podcast. This is Tupac shit. So that's okay. the only reason why I skirted around. That. Just put it. But uh, but but, but talking about movies right now, particularly, yeah. All right, but like with this junkie movie, would you put it in the black movie category, or would you put it 
would you label it as a white movie? Because I mean, realistically, it only had four black characters, but Bokeem Woodbine was in it, and that makes this at least a B, a B level, B level <laughs> black movie. So, like, is this like a B level black movie, or is this like a D level white movie? I would consider this a black movie, just just mainly and solely on the fact that this stars Tupac Shakur. Okay. You know, and the iconic uh, presence he brings just just by that, you know, is is this makes this a black movie. That is that, and Thandie Newton, she's black. You know, she's pretty iconically black, and she, um, well, not iconically black, but you know, well known black. She's consistently viewed and played and played in, in consistent black roles. So and then when she speaks publicly, she speaks publicly in a black way. So yeah, she. So we can we can look her. You know, look at her as black a black lead in this. Yeah, so this is, I would say this is a black movie. But that's she, that's she, my uh, she she did a good job in this movie, but again, like like my my complaint with Tupac, she didn't look like a fiend. Oh no, you she wasn't a fiend. She wasn't she wasn't a fiend. She she did dope. But, that, I think that whatever that was that, that, that her first time. That was her first time. That was first time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. First time at OD. Oh, Matter of yeah. fact, we That's get the impression experience. she really didn't do anything, though, because she was criticizing Park about the blow, which could have been coke or heroin, I guess, depending on the lingo um, uh, that they, they were coming from. But she really didn't appear to be really on anything but cigarettes. I would like to know the... She was um, a vegan. She so, was a vegan, yeah. But she clearly said she wanted to try the dope that somebody gave her, you know, for New Year's Eve. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. The first party. time, whatever you know, because Tim Roth really uh, made it clear that that's that's not what she did, you know. Yeah. Yo, what if what if Tim Roth's character? What if what if Stretch was? I guess this would make it a black movie. Like, what if Stretch was um, a metaphor for the man keeping us down? Like, you got this intelligent brother, Tupac uh, <clears throat> Spoon. Not want to do uh, heroin, following uh, stretch all day around getting heroin while he trying to go to, you know, actually kick the habit. You got Cookie, also never did heroin. Oh, okay, stretch got some heroin. I'm gonna do it. Oh, I almost died. Like, what if this movie was really about like not having white friends? Oh. <laughs> Um, I wouldn't. I I can. I'm in in the in the relationship with that idea that it does represent uh, the dependency, a level of dependency. Um, to the white man. existence has, you know, white existence has on black on black reason and black in black direction. Um, I will say that to to an extent, even if they have to get it by illegitimate means, which in most dominant white societies, you know, a lot of the, the wealth or a lot of the intellectual wealth, um, artistic wealth or whatever, um, a lot of dominant white societies and, and, and uh, initiatives tend to, you know, d- distract from the black, the black thought um, or the black talent. It's kind of a representation of that in that respect, I would say. Because uh, uh, Stretch clearly needed the reason and the and the rationale that we mentioned earlier in this character. He clearly needed that from from uh, Spoon's character. I mean, every bit of reason, every bit of uh, Medicaid pursuit, everything they did 
of any reasonable uh, nature was done because Tupac was leading them literally at one point by the hand, damn near. I mean, dragging them along, you know. Um, it was Pac that was was calling the the shots and really was um, leading the 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 whole uh, direction, as in getting Cookie the help she needed. So, I think it just shows kind of what you're saying in relationship to that that it, there's dependency actually on the, on the, on the opposite side. There's dependency on white existence on black existence. You know what's crazy is that I was joking. But that was a that was a really good answer. <laughs> that was a really good answer. That was a really good answer. We could take that. We could yeah. take that to my city hall right now. That was a good answer. Yeah. Oh my god. No, it's funny because I, I did want to point that out. So what you said actually kind of okay. is that Yeah. But I didn't know it it was it was funny. No, it was funny what you said, but that was that was yeah, that was actually where I was going with that. Cause yeah. I think another thing like with um you know, Mud, who was played by Bokeem Woodbine, his yeah. his uh, argument with Stretch when Stretch was like, uh, I forgot the exact phrase, but he called him a nigga. Um, when Stretch called Mud a nigga, Mud didn't appreciate that and pulled a gun out on him. It was just like Stretch's like desire to kind of be a thorn in the side of people, particularly people of uh, African-American descent, like with the the run in with uh D Reaper. Like you already got the money. Like what was the point of you calling my man's mama junkie when you actually are a junkie? Or what was the point of yelling at the guy at the um at the at the um Medicaid office? Because I mean you were wrong. You weren't wrong in that situation or like the one black person who appreciated him calling him a nigga was whoever the the dude was at the at the first oh, um yeah. the dude at the first what well, what's the name of that place? The the first rehab they went to. Rehab center, yeah. Yeah, so it was like it was almost kinda weird to kind of see that continuously play out that um Stretch's character was like a white adjutant towards black people, but like his best friend and possibly boyfriend was a black man. It just seemed kinda weird. The the one thing about Stretch that kind of confused me was the fact that um, they said multiple times in this movie, if you're HIV positive, it'll move you up faster to be able to get the uh, medic was it Medicaid card. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. It's an emergency they, Medicaid they card to get uh, yeah. admitted into rehab. They said that multiple times in the film, and he never said that he had HIV until the very end. But you got to think about it like this. Stretch had three ounces of heroin in his pocket, and he didn't want to stop using heroin. Right. And I Googled it. Um, in Michigan, I don't know how it is everywhere else, but I would assume that this is like kind of on par. Like a half ounce or more of heroin in the state of Michigan is a, a Class A felony. And you can go to prison for three to ten years, right? So mm-hmm. obviously that's a lot of heroin. I don't know how much they, you know, take off to use. So with him having that much heroin in his pocket, I'm sure he was like, "Oh, we can't, we can't go to rehab today. Oh, that's too bad because you know I got about a month's worth of heroin that I'm about to use in this weekend. You know what I mean? 
So I think like it almost came to a head when he he told Tupac like, "Yo, I'm HIV positive," and Tupac went to look over the uh, the bathroom stall to probably confront him as to why um, why he didn't say that. But then that's when the police came in. But I I think his character really was just in place to kind of hold Tupac, well, I'm sorry, hold Spoon back from actually achieving what he wanted to achieve. That's kind of why I hate the ending, but we can get to the ending when y'all are ready to get to that, because I got... Yeah, I, let's, let's, let's ride this... Uh, I want to get on this Spoon uh, stretch character again and just reemphasize <clears throat> how much of a piece of shit this character was. Um, <laughs> this was not a sympathetic character to me. I was really hoping he died when he got shot, I was I was hoping they and took and this is when I was at sixteen watching the movie. Um, I, I I didn't I didn't like the character and really they hadn't much changed. Um, at 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 thirty eight watching this movie, I was hoping that he got shot and killed. Um, when the cops or whatever was shooting at him, but yeah, man, like he this is a character that I would like to kind of put. As a as a as an agent of Universal Pictures, because I think that's who produced this film. I mean, there's there's a lot of black, uh, some pretty some well known black names behind this movie. Uh, Russell mm-hmm. Simmons is one I noticed. Stan Lathan. Stan Lathan is is one I noticed exactly. Um, matter of fact, I think um, Russell Simmons Production Company actually had a hand in producing this 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 film. Yeah, uh, Russell company. Simmons was one of the uh, executive producers of this film. So yeah, it's some it's some funny it's some it's some it's some funny shit that this particular character I want to say low key represented that that you're gonna find in movies like Universal. Universal always finds a way to, you know, just show demonizing perspectives or put black people in these dehumanizing, demonizing, disrespectful situations. You have that represented in Tim Roth's character, and I peeped the shit. You know what I mean? The fact that you got a junky ass white man. This man is a is a is a is a complete thoroughbred junkie. You know what I mean? Barely functioning junkie. But yet he has the courage and the white supremacy and the and the confidence within him being friends with this white man to call this black man who he doesn't really have that much of a relationship with a nigga to his face. Right. Even right. with a gun to his head. Right. He's that oh, much yeah. of a white man. A that much of a white man of a stern white man, <laughs> you know what I mean? This, this virile ass white man, junkied out of his fucking mind throughout the whole movie, but he was still calling this black man a nigga, you know what I mean, with a barrel of a gun in his face. Fuck you, you know what I mean? This dude was was representation <laughs> of the bullshit they want to show you. And even in my white junkiness, you know what I mean? I will still call you a nigga. You're still a nigga, and this yeah. nigga right here is gonna defend me. And drag me out of here alive to come back and get more dope to see your dead ass right. <laughs> laying right here. Like, come on, <laughs> man. Like, that's universal. That's 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 really why movies like this get made for shit like that, you know. So, I mean, I, I got I love Pac, man. Again, and and I'm sure you got y'all gonna hear that, and and it's gonna be said throughout this series that I love Pac, but um, mm-hmm. that doesn't negate from the fact that he. Um, he he took this role and he and he, he, he took a lot with it, you know what I mean. He he took a lot with it when he took this role. This in that respect um, was probably one of the the I, I like to point out the ugly part because you get a lot of ugly parts uh, of films that come out of Hollywood that tell black stories. You always want to find some ugly part 
that's pretty much used to to leave some damage to our psyche in some fashion. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of the ugly parts of this film. His character itself, <laughs> really, was one of the ugly parts yeah. of this film that, right. you know, he, he was pretty much a disgusting leech. And yet he, he was allowed to, and he called, he used that word a couple times, man, this movie. Multiple it wasn't, times. Yeah, he, yeah. he called, he called uh, Bukin Woodman a nigga to his face. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In his house, you know what I mean? And he also greeted, uh, Pac made it cool, actually, after that, that he calls him a nigga often. I mean, in the dialogue, mm -hmm. get that, that he's just a white man that is allowed to call him a nigga. And he also greeted some dude at the uh, at the, uh, the rehab. At the rehab. Yep. What's up, nigga? Some of my, I mean, so this dude has had a nigga pass that was given to him, and we don't even know why he <laughs> earned it. Besides being a, a man that possibly screwed a nigga and got high with him. Yeah, yeah. That, that that was pretty uh, one. What I call the ugly part. My bad, Ben. I know it's your first time on, man. And I, and I... <laughs> <laughs> nah. If you run some, uh, if you run some episodes of uh, the Boulevard when you get a chance streaming on the OTS network, you will see that. Um, I I, I take the time to 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 get into the intricacies of uh the black and white relationship in in the United States. So don't even trip on it. That's I'm gonna why give you the floor, bro. You got it. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess we could take, we could kind of. No, I mean, as far as whatever, whatever you want to take, as far as perspective on the film, that was just my input on the stretch character. But whatever oh. you had, take, you know, well, as yeah. far as. Um. Well, one thing I definitely want to touch on. I don't know if this was an actual common theme because I mean I'm 30 now, so I was born in '89, and when this movie came actually came out, I was seven. So, I don't know if healthcare. Um, specifically hospitals in like the bad side of town or the urban area. I don't know if they were actually this bad, but like this isn't the first time I've seen the movie where like, you know, we bring somebody dying into the hospital. Once again, bring up Menace to Society or like the old skits on um, In Living Color. Like you bring somebody into the hospital half dead, dying, bleeding, whatever. And, um, the person at the desk is like, okay, we'll fill out these forms. <laughs> like, I just really want to know, like, if that was happening, like, what was that really going on? Because when they tried to get her there, like, they called 911 and it was like, oh, they put me on hold. And that was a big joke. And, like, if you look at old, like, 90s uh, sitcoms, anytime, like, right. they call 911, right. mm -hmm. they'd be like, yo, 911, okay, I'll hold. Even uh, Rush Hour. Um, oh, yeah. When they called 911 during that shootout, um, you know, it was like 911, please hold. Well, no, he was like, yeah, I'll hold. So I mean, I don't know if health the healthcare and the first response system was that like destroyed at that time, but it, it was just kind of mind blowing to see like wow another movie making this kind of joke. Yeah, I mean, I actually think that was supposed to be a serious commentary uh, from yeah. what I got from the film on it, but I luckily I've never experienced <laughs> I never had to take those routes, you know, um, to really be that. Involved in that, that those levels of the healthcare system or whatever, but I can just say I've heard horror stories about county hospitals. You know what I mean, which is which is Grady. You know where, where we are here in Georgia, oh, yeah. Atlanta. Yeah, I've heard horror stories, but um, yeah, I see Grady on um, on First Forty Eight all the time, so I assume that's where, <laughs> where the Negroes go to die, right? 
Yeah, that would be yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> if you within the city limits, yeah, because they got that's the trauma center. So that would yeah. Yeah, if you in some serious shit, you want to go to Grady. Actually, they say yeah. I mean, they got the best. Yeah. I understand the best trauma center in the country or some shit like that, or the southeast. Definitely in Georgia. Something like that, but yeah, they say if 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 you facing like death and some and some serious shit like some stab wound, car accident type shit, you want to go to Grady. Like a yeah. shot you in the head type shit. Yeah, that's where you want to be. Yeah, but. I will say that the you bring up the uh, the hospitals. I, I I found it very interesting. Um, toward the end when they were sitting in the hospital, uh, and and uh, Stretch was shot. Uh, spoon was stabbed. Mm-hmm. Um, did you look around the entire hospital? Everybody like in that everybody, way was fucked up. They were everybody going like, but apparently, apparently, according <laughs> to the, the bitch nurse or the bitch administrator, she wasn't a nurse. Um, yeah. you had to be a cold yellow to get, yeah, yeah, which I'm assuming yeah. was near death because everybody yeah. in that waiting room was like bleeding and coughing yeah. and puking. It was like some serious shit which, over there. They was going, which made me wonder, like, is this. Yeah, like it almost like it was like Gotham or something. Yeah, it was wild. I mean, it, you could, yeah. you could tell it was definitely meant to be a social commentary, you know, yeah. on, on the healthcare system, but a lack thereof. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm not familiar with the with the process of, of normally how it went. I was 16 when this movie came out, man. I, and actually, it's funny that you mentioned um, that you you said you were seven. Yep. Okay, I was seven so. Too. That, that's interesting because um, you know I was I was I was about sixteen, so uh, that that pretty much tells my age in that capacity. But um, I'm just curious as to how anybody, right even right now, who was say I'm gonna say eighteen and below at the time Tupac died in '96, I believe. Um, he died in '90. He was killed in '96. So this movie came out uh, in '97. I'm just curious as to, you know, people who, because I don't know, did y'all, you know, were y'all at seven exposed to Tupac's music in any capacity? I mean, I'm just, did y'all know him? Did, did y'all yeah. actually this movie at that age and follow him as a rapper and a personality at that time? Followed him? No. Because, well, um, I mean, I was so young, you know what I'm saying? But um, I knew of him, you know what I mean? I, I got in trouble for uh you know like reciting some of his raps or like watching watching like the i get around video and stuff like that um but yeah i didn't follow him so if i would have watched this movie at that time i wouldn't wouldn't have have had like a opinion on what he did because i would just thought like oh he's a he's an actor now kind of like how kids look at ice cube now like if you have no reference of like ice cubes music and you see Ice Cube and Are We There Yet and Barbershop, like, you don't really look at him as this, like, gangster rapper. Okay. But, like, mm-hmm. so, y'all, it, y'all, so y'all didn't have any awareness, really, of this movie, though, at seven. Because, I mean, I don't know, seven, oh, some, y'all might have been a different level seven-year-old. I don't, I, nah. I, I just had to ask. Nah, nah you, know, you know, know my parents. There's no way in hell I was watching this at seven. All right, so because at 16, man, you know, to and I guess between that time, maybe 15 or 16, you know, I was somebody that did, you know, have have give a lot of my attention, um, which is impressionable attention, uh, attention at that age to Tupac Shakur. Um, Mm -hmm. So watching this movie now, 
because I want to say this is the first time I've seen this movie since '97, watching it for the for this for this discussion, watching it at 38. Um, you know, it just took me back to a, a dark place, and I'm really wondering why that why movies like why this movie and uh, the other two movies we're going to discuss, uh, Bullet and uh, Yang related, why they don't really get a lot of conversation. Um, compared to his films like Juice or whatever, um, because maybe it takes oh, yeah. it, it's reminiscent of a bad place, man. Because at 16, I, I had a very you know pretty pretty strong understanding of what Tupac was saying, what you know what the music represented, um, what he brought to what I thought at that time and looked at as hip hop culture. I don't see it that way now. But um, at 16, I saw the world completely fucking different than I see it now, obviously. That's saying, you know, that's really saying the obvious. But it did take me back to a very dark place where I was watching this man. And I I just, you know, I just saw, you know, just saw the man. Just I was just listening to his music. You know, I was just seeing him and following him on on MTV, seeing him at the MTV Awards. And now here watching this movie in his death. And walking away from that film, knowing we'll never see anything uh, in addition to that of this man in life, it just brought a depressed state to me, and I associated with this film. So oh, anyway, yeah. I said all that to say, you know, what what was y'all's take on that? But y'all was fucking seven at the time. Right. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, tell me this. Yeah. Tell me this, Chris. Like yeah. at the time, like because um, I'm I'm showing I, it made 5.6 million at the box office, which was actually only six hundred thousand dollars over what the actual budget of the movie was. So like, did they? Was it like um, promoted a lot? Bro, I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I don't remember this movie making a lot of noise. I remember the soundtrack to this movie because I was better than I remember the movie. To be honest with you, you know and what then, I mean. I remember seeing. It. I remember going to the theaters and seeing it. Uh-huh. And I and I remember when it came out and everything. I don't remember a lot of hype about it. I don't remember a lot of people you know, like in school saying, "Oh, I'm going to see uh, Gridlock." I, I I don't I never I don't have a recollection of this movie doing that. Um, Yo, I, I I have a recollection of people still in mourning over this dude. Yeah, because he died in what September of '96. In, in September '96, yeah, and this yeah. came out short. It was one other that came out which I have never even seen. Bullet. I never even seen that. Um, I never seen it either. Yeah, we we're pursuing that now because we'll get to that in another podcast. But that came out first, um, and then this one. And um, I don't remember any conversation about Bullet. And you know, I was in one of those households, actually, kind of similar to Derek. Man, I I, I was in a household that had a, a religious a, a religious tone, a strict religious guideline. So to go to the movies was like you know me sneaking and having to like finesse of my way out of the catch a movie. Oh, so you uh, y'all already know the vibes, then. So y'all know in in '97 it was straight Kirk Franklin every morning in my house. So it was no oh, way that. Oh uh, yeah, Kirk Franklin like, owned '97. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was no way. It was no possible way that I could see this on my way to school and everything. But I wanna I wanna give a quick shout out to uh, Suge Knight because the the soundtrack for Gridlock it went gold and it was released on Death Row. Which is interesting because the movie itself, you know, like we said, Stan Lathan and Russell Simmons were behind it. The, right. the one of the production companies behind the movies was Def Pictures, so it just seems like naturally, you know, we'll put it out on Def Jam. But instead, it was like they really used the the soundtrack to kind of like 
um, kind of throw an alley oop to um, Lady of Rage as well as um, Corrupt, you know, with, with their albums that came out later on that year, shortly after this album. So I just want to give a shout out to 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 Suge Knight for finding his way to basically Suge Knight the game in this situation and right make this make this make this soundtrack his for his label when the the CEO the founder and CEO one of the biggest record labels of all time as far as rap goes was actually didn't have the soundtrack right right. And like I said, I remember the soundtrack more than the film from that from that time. Um, yeah, that um, that Lady of Rage song sounded fire. I didn't. Uh, I mean, all I listened to was uh, on the the outtakes. I didn't go and find it, but it sounded like it was fire. Right, right. Well, just uh, based on you know, just kind of to to base off of what you spin off of what you said as far as the producers, um, we see Def Jam. Uh, or Def Pit with pretty much Def Jam, Russell Simmons had a hand in this. I'm wondering though, and, and maybe one of y'all can give me insight on this because I, I know at this point in time of, of Pac's life, he was dating Kadada Jones, who is Quincy Jones's daughter, uh-huh. and uh, he had made peace with Quincy Jones um, during this period of time. Uh, just, just, just giving my honest take on uh, real uh, history that I can recall from from that time. Um, I remember I had a little bit of an issue with Pac when it came to that Quincy Jones thing because, you know, Quincy, uh, Pac had went in a little bit on Quincy in Vibe yeah. Magazine. And, um, you know, he had walked all that shit back at, at, at that point because he was dating his daughter. Yeah, so, I mean, and you have to because you can't you can't bash Quincy Jones for dating white women when you then date his daughter who, for better or worse, you know, can pass for a white woman, one, and two, like, I mean... Is half yeah. white, you know what I'm saying? So he had yeah. to, he had to walk it back. Yeah, and, and you know we come to find out that even he, you know, dated uh, dated Madonna, who we know Madonna. is Madonna. I forgot about that. Yeah, point. so she is white. Yeah, full circle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's safe to say. That's safe to say. So. You know, um, but at the time, though, I actually agreed with Pac, though. You know what I mean? Because I've always, I've always leaned towards um, a very revolutionary, you know, pretty radical perspective. You know, mm-hmm. in, in many respects, even at that age, at that age, I was really, you know, what I mean, imbalanced with it. But um, you know, in many respects, I, I just remember having having a bit of a, a, a confusion with Pac on that with with, with Kadada Jones. But anyway, the point I want to get to, though, even with bringing that up was that this was during the period of time he was dating Kadada Jones. And this was a, a point where, from what I've uh, come across, um, as far as my understanding of, of Park's history and my observation of Park's history, um, people have said that Quincy Jones was very influential in his film career or in, in other aspects of his business career, that Quincy was giving him a lot of insight on that. So my question is, and my observation was, um, I wonder if, this was one of the films that, uh, or at the last three films, period. Uh, this one in particular was one of the films Quincy Jones uh, may have directed him in or had some type of influence with. I could see that. That would make a lot of sense because, I mean, these are these are definitely, um, you know, some of the same people that Quincy Jones did business with, specifically um, 
Stan Lathan because you know Stan Lathan was the director behind the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. So I could see Quincy Jones being the, the the way that they were able to land Tupac for this. That makes sense. Yeah. So it just it just uh, it just kind of points to, you know, I guess follow the money, man. That that's that's where I say with that. You know, like I said with the whole uh, stretch character, which because I had a problem with the character. You know, I I didn't like the character. Um, Spoon's character was it was a well played character by Tupac. I can't take that from. Him. I mean, Tupac is an artist. Yeah. You know, that, that's yeah. just what he is. Um, We'll get into, I guess, later on in the conversation as we get into his other work later on as far as uh, the best Tupac role or better roles or this role compared to others. But I would say, because I want to kind of reserve my overall towards the end of the podcast series, but I would say this is definitely one of one of the most uh, surprising roles, I think, that we saw at 97 for, for acting. You know, this is one definitely one of the most standout ones. Um, I don't think like they like kind of what Ben pointed out. I don't think anybody really would have saw Tupac playing a junkie. You know, no. particularly a junkie that uh, you know, lets lets white men call him a nigga. Right. But, yeah, I, I would I would agree with you on that. So <laughs> this was definitely one about say for '97. This was definitely one of the one of the most unique. Uh, roles of that 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 we could say at that time, but uh, so I want to talk about um, Dandy Newton in this though. This was pretty early for her. I, I, yeah. So this was obviously before Beloved. Cause it was some it was some pretty familiar talent in this one, man. I mean, we, we got like I said, Dandy Newton. Who I want to talk about who this was pre Beloved. I think that's the movie that kind of put her on, right? Or was this after Beloved? I don't know. This was nice. It's 97, so I feel like it would have to be after Beloved, but I could check for you real quick if you want to keep talking. Yeah, yeah, let's see. But, um, you know, I I, hadn't, I don't really remember her from, you know, anything during that time. But um, very good role performance from her, though. You know, I, I, I think that she, even though she was comatose through, through most of the movie. <laughs> um, right. A lot of her acting came on the, uh, on the reminiscent tip. Right, right. Which I like that about the movie, and I think that she, she, um, you know, she she gave a pretty pretty solid performance. As I, I just don't know what what it was as far as the sexuality though, which I'm I'm gonna say was written like that. You know, it was intended to be ambiguous, but um, you know, you the, know. The, for her to have such a, a relatively small role and to be next is pretty pretty. Dominant actors as a Tim Roth, and then you got Tupac. Man, I think she brought some interest into that character. She stood out. Yeah, I think I so too. Um, and also, Beloved um, came out in '98, so this I guess this film was kind of the precursor to her 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 career going on. But like her, the way her character kind of right, like her her character, like she was able to be aggressive with both of them and kind of. She was kind of the boss. Like I feel like if she wasn't in a coma, like the way their day played out wouldn't have played out that way. Right. And it's funny how she uh, taught how that how that how that kind of how she was involved in the ending, but in in their in their in their lot in their situation in the hospital, but wasn't at the same time. Like her presence, you know, towards the end 
you know, was, was uh, yeah, it kind of showed that and demonstrated that what you said. Yeah, no, okay. So with that, what, because that, that, that hospital scene is when, to me, like, it just turned me off the rest of the movie. Like, I'm not big on, like, happy endings in movies. You know what I'm saying? And, like, with her... <laughs> so you with don't her think call- the junkie should have survived? No, okay, I'm not saying that, right? Like, I'm glad <laughs> she pulled through because, you know, who wants to die from an OD from the first time they do heroin, right? But... Yeah, at least it's the second time. Like, come on, man. Like, we... <laughs> we You got... You got Cookie calling home like, yo, you know what I mean? We should kick this habit, man. You know, y'all y'all could probably benefit from that, too. We shouldn't do this. We should all get straight and do our thing. And then, like, they being all somber in the emergency room, shot up and stabbed up. And then we flash to their group, actually, is called 8 Mile Road. I just found that out, too, when I was looking up the soundtrack. So we flash to 8 Mile Road at some type of some type of warehouse club performing life is a traffic jam and uh it just it just killed it for me like one of them had to die for me to like like <laughs> um i i did think that that should have been at the end i mean at the beginning you think that, that should have been death no the, the the performance the traffic jam. yeah i i i was kind of confused why they played that at the end like i thought traffic. that would have been yeah, yeah. I mean, lyric, lyrically, I, I think that whole scene sense. existed for for that Tupac moment of him actually, you know, um, you know, doing spitting around that that, that verse, those Yo, verses, also, that that yeah. spoken word, whatever, at the end, towards that, towards the end. I think that whole scene existed for that purpose. I really don't know function. if Tupac was playing or not, but like the, his fingers looked like he was going hammer yeah. bass. So, yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, they made it look real. I, I, yeah. I was appreciative of that as a musician, um, but just to kind of end, like, to end the movie the way they did, like, it makes sense. Like, you know, if Tupac didn't die, would they probably end the, the, the movie like that with him rapping? Probably not. But you know, I guess you just gotta take you just gotta take those type of endings sometimes. I, I just wasn't happy about it. I yeah. can. I, can well, I mean, that that, that to me. That. Yeah, that 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 to me though is what I thought should have been the opening of the movie because it would have made a little more sense than placement-wise. It would just made a little more sense um, than to than to end it like that. I mean, I understand why they did it, but I probably would put it at the beginning to open the movie up like that. I think that it would have took us out of Tupac being the junkie if we saw him rapping that that early in the film. It would have been Tupac. Tupac, so, so he you know, could be a functional, role. he could be functional, but he can't rap. I mean, I actually didn't like this, that that particular scene. Actually, as far as as far as that, you know, I, I think they should have left him as a basis. You know, I, I thought so too. Yeah, I, so too. Um, yeah. I, I think it just kind of seemed like y'all were playing off of him being Tupac. And then on top of it, again, you know, this is after directly after his death. Um, it, it just seemed like okay, y'all are making this a a Pac. Tupac, the artist, as we know Tupac, not Spoon, mm-hmm. you, you're making this a Tupac situation. Right. Um, that's that's kind of what I, I, that I related with when I saw it. Um, so I kind of agree with you that the ending was a little bit of a problem for me in that context. And it was a, a very happy ending, considering how how deep junkies, <laughs> the deeply addicted these people were, and how, yeah. how they should have faced death so many times in this movie. It, it was a, 
a very uh, very sugary ending. But to to Ben's point about uh, Cookie no, making saying, that phone I call, I think Stretch should have died. I think I definitely think somebody should have died. But it, yeah. I, I would prefer Stretch to have been murdered by I guess the cop or whoever was shooting him. Uh, the uh, Reaper. The Reaper. Yeah, I would have loved to see him murdered in that alleyway. I think that yeah. would have been perfect. <laughs> and if we could have continued on with 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 uh, Cookie coming out of her, you know, overdose, and you know, Pop wouldn't have had to get stabbed. Yeah, and then that, actually that makes sense. Then they live on to have Zoe Saldana as a child. <laughs> yeah, we get a sequel. You know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That makes sense. I'm with that. I'm yeah. With that. But to 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 piggyback get, off your yeah, one point, you don't point, get white men gunned down often on screen by black men. Not too that's, much. That's rare. Go yeah, ahead, D. Not too I'm much. Just... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> to piggyback off what you said a little while ago, though, Ben. Um, that part of her um, making that phone call and saying that we should kick this habit, that's part of what made me think that that she that this wasn't her first time, unless this was just something um, the script supervisor didn't keep tally of on set. Yeah, because I guess that, a... that's I'm what sorry. got me. No, I was just saying that that's that's what what got me um, thinking she was this was you know this was wasn't her first time. I guess on the flip side though, when you look at it, if if you try heroin for the first time and you OD, like when you wake up <laughs> and you wake up, you gonna call your homies like, look, I don't know what y'all. Yeah. Thandy <laughs> Newton was the most beautiful OD uh, recovery person. Yeah. Uh, I mean, her lips and everything, man. Yes. I mean, and then you see her full frontal with the whole. I mean, like like you don't see addiction at all, really. Uh, on her, um, in this movie, yeah. You know, so I, could, I, I, would, I'm, I'm leaning towards, um, that she was a, a, a novice to the heroin, and that's why she just kind of OD like that due to that, and maybe that phone yeah. call was was more directed at the, her lovers. Uh, I don't, you know, uh, this, this, we we really haven't determined that. Too much. <laughs> I was I was gonna say bandmates, <laughs> friends, you know. Yeah. Because I know going going on that note, all right. So going back to the bathroom <laughs> scene, which is which is again probably the weirdest scene in the whole fucking movie, right? Right. Yeah, it is. Um, very odd scene. In that okay, in that scene, it looked like she was going toward to blow him in that at, at one point. Did y'all catch that, or is that something that I just just kind of saw in a different? I might have missed it, but I was. Uh, I'm, I it, think it I was talking like... to my wife as well. Say what now? I was. I was talking to my wife in that moment, like, "Wait, what's going on?" And then I think I mentioned about how uh, cigarette smokers will do anything to smoke a cigarette, which is how they all ended up in the bathroom. Right. So well, I think I might have missed like... her go towards. Uh, it looked go like for the she went. She took a direction towards Tim to towards Stretcher's crotch, man. You know, what I mean, I don't know. If she was. It looked like she was leaning, passing out. I don't know, but you know, that to me kind of gave me another indication that this is a three-way situation because it looked like she was. You know, her head was going in the direction of Stretcher's cup. So y'all didn't see it. Y'all didn't see it. All right, cool. Well, nah, maybe. I didn't see that. I, I saw her look a little out of control. Um, and, and somebody in society saw. Y'all know what to do. The comments, please let me know. You know, I saw it, or you know, you tripping. But yeah, 
I, I, I took it more so as her just being out of control. Um, and just because nothing was really happening. Uh, I mean, well, stuff was happening, but nothing that would lead toward that, you know, because she just sat down to use the bathroom. She was on the toilet, but she, she yeah. looked at it, it is, it is crutch. She looked at it, it looked like she was leaning towards it, you know, at <laughs> one point. And I was, yes, I was, I was beginning to, to, to draw the conclusion that some sexual was about to go down the stall, too. I mean, you, you're talking about heroin addicts, man. You know, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that there clearly was, well, you well know, then, some, some other, other levels of this relationship besides heroin addiction. Well, then that would speak more to, to what I was saying then, that, that this wasn't her first time, if that was the case. Well, I never got the impression she was addicted, though. I got the impression she, the, the both, well, that she was with them in spite of their addiction, and she tried it, and she wanted to try it that one time, that night, New Year's Eve, because somebody gave it to her. And Tim Roth gave yeah. the impression that that's, this is not what you do. Uh, you, you know, he, he, he really showed some type of, a little bit of opposition to her doing it. He so did. I'm, in, I'm, I'm, in, I'm walking away with the fact that she wasn't an addict. But they were. But she clearly has some type of uh, some uh, other addiction because there was there was some sexual energy that I felt between both characters, all three characters. To be honest. Yeah, and then plus yep. to hang out with two heroin addicts, like you got to be doing something. You can't just be uh, smoking only cigarettes. smoking cigarettes. Yeah, and yeah. that's it. Like she had to be doing something. Yeah, if, 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 even if it wasn't heroin, something she she was on something at some point. So you feel like if your friends are, are, are heroin addicts, then you know you you pretty much a heroin addict. Yeah, I get to call At, you one. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because think about it like this, Chris. I no, I can see that. I mean, it makes know, sense. Yeah, how many people I don't do hang you out know that just hang out with? Yeah, thank you. So it's like something's got to be going on. I can I can see that I can see that rationale too. Something's got to be that. going on. I I I don't I don't hang out with heroin addicts or crackheads. So I like. Some I don't know. No saying one. that Park was on crack in this movie. There was no. no I'm not. I'm not saying. Crack. I'm not saying it was on crack. I misspoke earlier. No, but you're, you're derogatory I, towards addicts. Right now, you just say you just you'll just say I'm any just addiction talking, and throw I'm it at an addict. I will. Just, I'm just saying right now. I'm gonna start calling you Derek Mathis. Just trying to call everybody. This man is clearly on 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 the boy as he goes. <laughs> on, on heroin and yeah, it's on dog food. You calling him a crackhead? Yeah, he's on the pipe, <laughs> off the pipe. <laughs> oh, you, got your, you, got your, you got your addicts mixed up, bro. You can't. No, I listen. Earlier, I misspoke. I think but right like now, right now, I think there's, no. there's <laughs> certain shit you just can't say. I think you no. gotta know. Right now, I'm just saying that's not like I don't hang out with those with those crowds, so. As someone that's sober, I don't. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, but so you're just it, saying the man did crack. You're just saying. I didn't. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm literally talking about Cookie right now. Like for her to hang out with heroin addicts it, 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 and not do anything makes no sense. So there has to be something that she, that she's inclined to do. Not. It doesn't. Have, I'm not saying that that she that this wasn't her first time or that this um yeah that this was not her first time doing uh heroin, but. Something's got to be going on. She, she had to be doing something else. I think it was sex addiction. Maybe her addiction was sex. Maybe these two 
uh, I, I, I walked away with this character having a sex addiction that that put her in this situation with the two of them. But at, yeah, at the same time, though, heroin addicts, though. But but at the same time, though, I I I do realize we got to realize that Tim Roth had HIV. You know, the whole time right. in this movie, and he wouldn't screw her, but there there was something where maybe she was pursuing him. I believe that she was trying to initiate a three-way situation with him. I caught I think she the, was. Which which I would put that okay, maybe there's some type of sexual addiction. I, I didn't get she was a vegan and I, I got that the reason why Pac said what he said to her as far as uh when he ate the vegan burger or whatever, I, you know, he, he made some line to her that it doesn't really matter what your addiction is. I think she, I think she, as far as cigarettes, I think he mentioned it. Yeah, she something about, she, she right? said, something, said something about health. Yeah, don't talk to me yeah. about health. But he didn't mention any dope she was doing. And I think that might have been the line of communication that would have went on if she was actually on dope in a scenario. We can, like we can assume that. We can assume that. But I'm sorry that heroin addicts aren't going to be the typical per, uh, uh, crowd that someone that doesn't do anything is going to hang out with that, that's 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 extreme that's a fact i won't hang out with a heroin addict I, i'll i'll join you in that derek i'm not i wouldn't <laughs> hang out with a heroin addict either it's, it's it's not that's not my that's not my cup of tea to hang out with a heroin addict i'm sorry but if you were a sex addict and you knew two women who were addicted to even heroin, if, even heroin, if I was a sex addict, I think addict, you would find Chris, a way to satisfy your I... sex addiction with two heroin female heroin. Chris, Chris, I believe you would. Were, How do you know if you're not even, a sex addict though? Even, listen, even if that were the case, why? How? How would? How would that be something that that says I'm going to go hang out with two heroin addicts? Listen, like what? If, what would lead were, a sex were, addict okay, to they, hang out with two? They were, they're in a group. All right, yeah, eight mile or whatever, right? Right, yeah, then? yeah, eight mile road. Okay, yeah. the eight mile road is a group, right? They are mm-hmm. they're they are pretty, uh, I would say somewhat established group. They're getting gigs, you know what I mean? And they have a record label, uh, that's that's in conversation with them, so they're mm-hmm. in a relationship. So, uh, I can understand why you would overlook drug addiction in a situation like that. It happens all the time in the music industry, right? Yeah, so yeah. But we we we, we got to give her that, all right. I don't think we should give her heroin addiction though automatically if the movie is kind of showing us that she never did heroin. I don't think we should no, give no, no. her that so addiction. Listen, I I am I I conceded long ago that this was her first that was her first time. I I'm fine with saying that, but there is something else that she was on that was not mentioned in this film. Because Dick. you're not going to sit... You're, Dick, Chris, man, I, I Chris, think the addiction was set. <laughs> <laughs> she Chris. wanted to screw Tim Roth Chris. in the beginning, but Chris. he wasn't screwing. The only reason why the shit... Okay, a, a, sex, a sex addict is going to live with two heroin addicts? If she's getting money with them in a group, yeah. just hang out with them. She's going to live with them. She was paying the bills, too. You got to throw yes. that in. Yes, yes. They were in a group, brothers. They were in a group. Listen, they were in an established I'm not, I'm not paying the bills in an apartment for two for two heroin addicts. That's well, not he happening. To say it again. He to I was about. I almost tripped up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not gonna do that. That's not happening. Yeah, so if you're addicted, if you're addicted to be... sex, I think that, that that you may you may do that. And and on and on top of that, you're in a business That's relationship. That's a different level of addiction people. to sex to 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 live and pay for. Two 
heroin what addict. The, I, that is I a different level of sex addict. Apartment. That was stated in, in the... In yeah. The, um, so there was a part of the movie when they were talking about like what their next steps were going to be. This was when she first went to the went to the ER or whatever, before they found out she was in a critical condition. And um, Stretch was like, how are we going to pay rent? She's paid the rent for the last three months. We're broke. Okay. So yeah, she was paying the bills. Um, but but okay, that tells me there's affection. She's these yeah. are her dudes. Yeah. These are her these are her dudes. She's taking you know she's looking out for her dudes. That part plays. She, she doesn't see the judgment and the heroin addiction, and particularly Chris. she's and and, and I see there's there may be some <laughs> sexual shit going on, and people tend to overlook a lot of shit for sex. Yeah, okay. that's true. I mean, because uh, yeah, if you want to draw a parallel to today, like you know, it's a lot of. You know, um, master doctor. Anyway, you just throwing, huh? throwing crack addiction on them. You throwing all these. <laughs> all these you're not concerned about the addiction of these characters. You didn't even learn what addiction. You didn't observe observe the addiction. Listen, listen. <laughs> just, I misspoke at the beginning of the podcast. I did. I'm fine with saying that. But, <laughs> but, I, I, you will not be able to convince me that 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 her sex addiction was so strong that she wanted to live with two heroin addicts and provide for them too. I, that, that, that's too strong. If, if that's the case, there is no amount of sex on this planet that would be able to ever satisfy her a day. If that's the case, there, there's none. I mean, that's there's why none. it's an addiction, brother. You obviously know experience sex addiction. Yeah. Bro, bro, uh, bro, bro. Any kind of addiction. Bro. Have you ever bro. been addicted to anything? Listen. Do you know listen, addiction, Derek? I'm asking. Listen, listen. <laughs> From from experience in my family, I know what addiction is. I I, I am telling you, there is no way my family wouldn't even uh bring in family members out like that. I I can't get with you on that. I'm sorry, I'm not paying. I'm not paying and providing for for addicts, bro. I'm not doing that. There's no way. You've never experienced a level of addiction where you've had to make decisions under addicted. No, under not like that. No, 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 no. But I'm thinking okay, cooking okay, was addicted so, to something. I agree so, with you, but I think it was dead. So, so I think I think it was dead. <laughs> so answer me this. So answer me this then, Chris. If her addiction, let's say her addiction was sex, okay. If she has those two guys living in that apartment. And she's providing for everything. She's only having sex with one guy. What's the other guy there for? Women provide home and shelter to Dick every day. Yeah. Out, of, out of halfway addiction. Out of little. Out of little addiction. If he would not sleep with her, what is he there for? What is Stretch there for? Spoon? Okay, I'll give you that. But Stretch? I think she wants to screw him. She pursued I, I thought she, she was off a blowjob in the stall. I'm going to stand on that. It looked like she was going for a blowjob in the stall when it was smoking weed in the stall. Now, I could be wrong on that, but it looked like it clearly to me. And she okay. clearly invited him to screw both of them in the beginning she of the movie. Did. She did, but if he clearly will not do anything, what... Either I, they're in a... So, either they're in a... a functioning... And you said three uh, months, right? Trimonious relationship. Where, 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 I, where obviously they don't because she's paying the bills, as y'all observe. Either there's something functional and, and some trimony shit going on, where there's some some covenant type shit going on, or there's somebody's dealing out of addiction. All three levels I saw were addiction, and I looked at hers to be sex, while theirs was to be heroin. 
I thought, and I, the movie was clearly about addiction. The whole fucking movie was. It was. It was. was. was the pursuit and the try to run away from addiction. That was the whole movie, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I agree with your, both of y'all's analysis that Cookie had an addiction. She she could not have functioned among two addicts without some type of addiction. I agree with that. You know what I'm saying? But I don't agree with that. The fact that it has to be the same drug. We all have to communicate. No, I never said it was the same drug. I never said it was the same drug. I was saying that it has to be something else because I I've already conceded that she's not doing that heroin why, wasn't her thing. Why why wouldn't you accept sex as her drug? Be, because it makes no sense for her to have stretch in that apartment for at minimum three months and nothing happened. Spoon brother, okay, you're stretch no. You never no. addicted to sex, bro. If you did the sex, I think you will pay somebody's rent and let them do heroin in that motherfucker. <laughs> I, I think, I think <laughs> that doesn't make sense, bro. That doesn't, it doesn't make sense. She She's not getting anything from him. Not even, not they're even a, a hit. Not, a no, group. no, not even they're a, a hit. They're in a music group. They're, 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 they're to collectively pursuing a goal, though. They're, they are. You know, they are. But that doesn't really get. That doesn't really get uh, showcased until like the very last scene, either. Like, um, I guess kind of to round back to, like, the character dynamics, I think it was kind of cool of them, like, the writers and the directors to, like, not make it so heavy on, like, the stereotypical uh, jazz musician who's addicted to heroin. Like, mm-hmm. they 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 really showcased the addiction, and then I guess they kind of humanized it at the end by them all being, like, talented artists or whatever at the end, but... That was one thing I did notice too, like throughout the movie, like you see clips in there, like you see her performing, but you don't see Tupac playing the bass and you don't see um Stretch uh, you know, playing the keys. In the beginning he was playing like uh the 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 stand up, I don't know the, the formal name for it, I forget, but he was playing a bass guitar in the end. Right. And was playing the traditional jazz uh bass in the beginning, which I thought that was kinda interesting. So he was I missed that. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. miss that part. So never mind, I'll take it back. So uh, just disregard that. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> just disregard that. But I mean, uh, I, I, back to the addiction part. The movie was about addiction. Um, I, I, I definitely agree that she has some type of defect in her discipline to to you know keep that kind of company to that extent. I agree with that. But the movie doesn't give us that it was no narcotic. And, uh, yeah, that's not fair to the character to do or do it. You know, I mean, I, but I get the logic that, you know, if you if you hang out with heroin addicts, it's safe to assume that you're on heroin. Um, and none of us or hang out with heroin else. addicts. Or something else. Well, maybe, I guess. I'm, maybe, maybe. I'm sorry. I, 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 like, I've, like, again, I've already conceded she wasn't on heroin, but there was something else that she was doing. It had to be. That I think uh, now you mentioned her character though, because we talk we're talking about her character and 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 you mentioned earlier in her character some uh, other elements that 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 you saw meaning in right, but mm-hmm. I I walk I walk the reason why I like the character because I saw it as she clearly was the mother figure to both of them and the chaos that transpired yeah. was solely because of her absence from the, the both of them so yes. You know, it it was like even though she was really not in this movie, you can see that her how how desperate these motherfuckers needed her presence. Right. Yes. Right. And the reason why I'm not inclined to believe she was off no narcotic because 
she immediately was the voice of reason after she OD. Immediately, you know, but they weren't there to hear it. The one time that they needed her the most, they weren't there to hear it. So I, I that part of the ending, I, I, I didn't really have a that much of a problem with. The very, very ending, though, the performance element, the clear indication there's a happy ending um, with this shit. You know, that that didn't really sit well with me because I thought it was kind of set up for a Tupac type performance moment. Yeah, you know? like them it smiling was. at each but, other on stage. Like, that was lame yeah. to me, too. Like, it was like, oh, we're all good now, guys. Was... Well, they call him the resident scholar. This this degenerate junkie motherfucker was, she called the, him, the voice of reason in the film, the woman, the, the black woman, looks at the, calls the white man the resident scholar. Like, subliminally, that was meant to send something, man. Like, that, that was a, yeah. that was a, that was a real, Real direct, uh, but subliminal communication. And, yeah. Uh, well, you talk um, about subliminal messages. I thought at, um, when they were in the hospital in the beginning, um, waiting on on the doctor to uh, give them an update on Cookie. Um, when they when Stretch fell asleep, he first fell asleep with his feet on a uh, spoon, on Spoon's legs, um, and then he turned around and laid his laid his head on his lap. And the, some the, homoerotic shit, even with his feet yeah. propped up on him. Like, yeah, that's I, what I'm more, I couldn't that's see what I'm myself with letting my partner have his feet propped up on me. Or you know, his head Yeah. Or like the, the, that's the what homo- I was wondering. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't figure, I couldn't uh, picture let my, 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 my boy do that. That was, that is it, weird. It, it so, was an odd expression tired, of, of, of that, of those homo. It was like a couple of them, though. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, like. Like the, the when they whipped out the the Johnsons in front of you know and like you said in the in the in the stall you know yeah um now I even though you can we can say that it was due to them both being injured even the scene after he stabbed the shit out of uh, uh, Spoon with the little knife and you know they run into the ER room clutched together you know it was just you know even though like I said, uh, even though that particular scene you could dismiss that with them being injured. When yeah. you consider it together, though, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We consider all that shit together, these images together, there's clearly some type of uh, a different level, sexual level to their relationship. Yeah, because they, everything they, seemed to be like, we have to do it together. Like, we are doing this. We have to stop. smoke the same cigarette a couple Yeah, times. all the time. Like, every mm-hmm. time. Like, when even when the security guard told him to put it out at the, the Medicaid office, it was like, yo, you want to hit this first? I'll do. Which I, that I'll that kind of threw me off. You that made him pay for his hot dog. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was just it was just too much. It was just too much. You know what I mean? And I, I I'm I'm I think Ben mentioned it. I am inclined to believe that part that Park probably took this role under the condition that that probably had to be, and that, that that's an assumption we can make, a very broad assumption. Yeah. But I can see that this originally having something more explicit in it with those two that maybe. Uh, Park engineer for it to be uh, smudged, if not if not taken out altogether. Yeah, because the undertones were too strong, man. You know, it, it was just too strong. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. But uh, some interesting characters, though. We talking about characters, uh, Lucy Lou. This must be early Lucy Lou, man. Yeah. Because uh, a relatively small role for for what ended up being a, a big career that came from this from uh, her. Yeah, Lucy Lou was a, a black man's girl in this Bokeem Woodbine. Bokeem Woodbine. Also, uh, the administer, um, she also played uh, 
Chris Tucker's partner on a uh, rush hour, the first oh, rush hour. That's what that was. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yes. Wait, who? Yeah. The, 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 the admissions person, um, uh, Elizabeth Pena. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, she was the one. Yeah, she screamed on fucking people was getting screamed on this movie, which I love that. You know, what I mean, I always love a, a people getting screamed on scene. I mean, with the Pickens, <laughs> <laughs> with Tim Roth and James Pickens, and and, and with uh, Puck and the uh, character you just you just mentioned, the administrator. You know, when she screamed back on him and and told and told him let the bitch die or something like that. Or I don't, you know, the bitch kid dies. <laughs> Like I said, it, it, it came off, you know, I, I said, yeah, like, Ben, you said you know Detroit. Again, it came off like New York. It's only that type of callous, cold-blooded shit, man, you're going to find that in New York. So I can see why you got that New York, uh, that New York energy off this one. It was a New York vibe for sure. Yeah, it was a, it it was a real. It most definitely was. Very, very, but I will very say one thing that existed in the movie that was true to Detroit, especially, like, around that time, is they had a really big uh, punk rock scene. So it made sense to see, like, you know, white and black junkies intermingling and, like, you know, the alternative or punk rock-looking, like, white people down at the the Medicaid office. That makes sense. But just, like, the actual streets and then, like you said, all the Ohio license plates and, like, no uh, no Detroit landmarks, that's what killed it for me. And yeah, and that's uh again, I mean, like the 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 see like certain scenes in this movie, the and, and certain uh just certain certain elements uh Von D. Curtis Hall used in this film were 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 noteworthy, man. Like I said, the rampage dude, just the little the little uh way he was used in certain scenes was was pretty was pretty interesting to see. But for for this to be a film written and directed by somebody from Detroit. I didn't get much of Detroit from this movie. Right. Not at all. You know, I didn't get much of Detroit from this movie. So that that it didn't it didn't communicate that at all. It definitely had a New York a New York uh, expression to it. But uh yeah. yeah, we 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 oh go go ahead, Derek. No, I was gonna say I, I definitely felt more in New York than Detroit in this at uh throughout the entire film. I forgot it was even in Detroit. It, I mean I didn't even realize it. I mean I didn't even think about it or realize it until I saw the bus. They hopped on the bus and said DTA. And mm-hmm. that that kind of reminded me, okay, this is supposed to be in Detroit. But no, the authenticity of, of it being a Detroit film was not there. Uh, as far as characters, like I said, Lucy Liu, uh, Bo King Woodbine, man, being Bo King <laughs> in here. Um, Most definitely. You know, what's funny, they say that, that Park and, and uh, Bo King uh, that's actually where, where their relationship, where their connection started on this film. Yeah. You know, and we all know, you know those of us who, who know Park's career and follow those, those uh, his music, uh, we know that uh, he was actually in the video, one of Park's last videos. Uh, I ain't mad at you. So that's, he that's, sure was. Yeah, that's actually where that connection came from. from well, this you film. a Muslim now. Yeah, yeah it's my <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, man. So, um, some interesting characters, man, in, in this one. Um, again, I don't. You, know, you look at uh, 
Von D. Curtis Hull's filmography, and he he did a lot of work as a director. A lot of it is in TV. When you look at his IMDb, you see a lot of it in TV. A um, couple of films for TV he did, like I said, the Tony Braxton one. Whew. You know, <laughs> and uh, he actually did Glitter, too. Yeah, he did you Glitter, know? too. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we ain't gonna talk. It's, yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he he has some very interesting uh, casting choices. Like he uh, he did Redemption, the, the Stan Tookie Williams story. And if y'all if y'all don't remember, he had Jamie Foxx cast Fox, it as uh, Tookie Williams. Yeah, I didn't see that. How was that? I I don't know. I'm just looking at Wikipedia Wikipedia <laughs> right now. But I just can't imagine Jamie Foxx playing. That that was a TV movie. I remember when they came out. It came out. Yeah. With, yeah. But no, nah, came I, out I, on FX. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I missed that one. That went over my head too, man. I didn't. I didn't catch that one either. But he, uh, this clearly, I would say, is some of his better work. You know, this this film right here, um, compared to the other ones we saw. A lot of people, uh, in case y'all didn't know, I know some people may know that he's uh, actually married to a, another popular film director, um, Cassie Lemus, who we mentioned on the podcast before. Uh, yeah. yeah, she directed uh, Harriet, and uh, you know has has other work out there, but um, but yeah, man, uh, this I would say, like I said, I, I'm not a a real uh very well versed in in Von D. Curtis Hall's work, but with this uh up against the other films I've seen he's done, I was I'll be safe to say this is probably his most noteworthy movie. Yeah, looking at the lists, uh, yeah, I don't see anything. Else, man. Uh, no, but I don't. I don't see nothing else unless you you, know, you put it up there with glitter and uh, and the Tony Braxton story. <laughs> yeah, nah. <laughs> but uh, um, nah. but yeah, man. So uh, I guess final thoughts, man. You know, as we get to to wrap this first episode up, um. I mean, what do y'all walk away with as far as as far as this particular film overall and and, and Tupac's performance in this? Um, so I mean, what I what I walked away with the overall, um, as far as Tupac's performance goes, um, it was nice to see him step outside of himself, especially you know looking at it 23 years later when I can be completely objective, as opposed to whatever the perception would have been like in '97. So it was cool to see, you know. Um, Hit him, hit him up. Um, ambitions as a writer. Um, Hail Mary, Tupac playing a possibly homosexual uh, heroin. <laughs> um, but I mean, just what he brought to the role itself, you know, being intelligent and you know, doing everything he did to get to the point of reaching um, sobriety and actually being sober. Like as much as I'm down on um opiate opioid addicts like i guess i can't be mad at the fact that they kicked the habit and uh ultimately life is a traffic jam that's all i got uh, <laughs> uh Derek, um, <laughs> i i uh i thought he did a great job with the character i um i think if i were uh, a part of production i would have uh told him to do something to make himself look a little more worn out 
So, you know, like staying up real late, waking up mad early, stuff like that. Um, just to just to build that character of stress on his face. Um, I would have done something like that. But I think I think overall his performance was really good. But look wise, I think I would have, you know, done a little different. Yeah, uh, I, I I would I would probably say in reference to that, it's something that I picked up. Um, just kind of looking into the background of this film, and we know this film had to be done within somewhere in, within the world of '96, um, '95, '96, I guess. I mean, there apparently was a real pocket of time with with Park film, at least three movies that we know, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but as I was reading up on this film during that time, you know, Pac was still a, a, a artist. He was still a, a, a musician, a rapper at that time. So he was simultaneously making music and filming videos while making this movie. So yeah. one of the um, things that I, that I discovered that the producers came to Pac with um, in regards to this movie was to kind of ask him to fall back on doing that while filming because it was affecting his performance. So... Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just re- was reminded of that when you said that he could have looked like more of a junkie, but um, yeah, because I mean his skin was clear. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? What junkie do you know who who has clear skin and 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 white teeth? That like, yeah. that's just what I saw from a production value. That that's that was my perspective on it. Uh, I can see that. You know, I'm not a junkie expert, particularly a heroin expert. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I will say that Pop's character was a functioning junkie. I, that's, and I do know they he have was. functioning addicts. All right, so maybe he just, we just caught him at the point in time before he reached the skin, uh, the acne stage of heroin addiction. I don't know what what level of physical junkiness. <laughs> Oh, but I, I take it as a valid criticism. The I think you got a junkie bias, man. I mean, you 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 look at all junkies the same, man. I, I well, <laughs> you, you look at all junkies the same. So, but that's a valid criticism. That's I a valid mean, that, criticism. That's the only thing. Mark didn't that's look enough thing. like a junkie. In this yeah, he looked I, mad healthy. I mean, all right, I give you that. I give he you that. Mad healthy. Um, that's all. As far as I'm concerned, man, uh, Grillock. You know, watching it again, it's a lot. It was, you know, again, it was social commentary, and and I and I enjoyed that. Um, I I rank, you know, these type of movies. I told you I got a file. This would be the, my junkie movie file. Panic and Needle Park will always be like the junkie movie. If you ever want to get a motherfucker off dope, show him Panic and Needle Park. Like that's <laughs> that's the movie to to, to the scared straight movie for for dope. Is uh, Panic yeah. in the Park, and that's actually one of Al Pacino's early movies. Um, this is high up there, so you know, <laughs> I, I put that up there. You know, in, in that in that category, it, it it showed a very simple story. You know, what I'm saying it was very simple, but it was a well-told story as far as addiction. You know, it it was it was comedy in there, but it didn't make a joke out of it. And I appreciate that discipline that. Uh, that Von D. Curtis all brought to the screenplay and brought to the story. That it just wasn't a slapstick. Uh, it could have been anything. He could have went any way with that shit. You know what I mean? But there was a, there was a discipline to the story. 
I had issues with what we talked about earlier. I had issues with the authenticity of the location. Um, I hated the character of Stretch, but you know, it was Tim Roth, man. You know, Tim Roth. He, he has that that racist motherfucker, man. That's his. That's him. And, you know, I, I don't Type forget cast. in roles like uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't forget him in role. And like again, I don't hold that against him as a as a person, as a dude. I don't know him, but as an actor, you know, as an actor, he he has he owns that craft as just being that that detestable racist motherfucker. Um, that goes back to uh, what's the film with Lawrence Fishburne uh, that he played uh, Dutch Schultz in. Uh, Cicely Tyson was in it. Hoodlum. Oh, uh, yeah, Hoodlum. I was yeah. going to say Harlem, but yeah, Hoodlum. Yeah, disgusting racist in that, with that particular character. Um, there's a couple others I've seen him in. We, he went that route. So this is... The Hateful Eight. Yeah, Hateful Eight, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just that, you know, he, he just has that, he has that element to his to his body of work. And, you know, I take it for what it is. You know, if, if the story calls for it, he's definitely the racist motherfucker you want to call because he exudes that that expression of racism. He knows how to do that. And he did it in a different way in this movie, um, one that I just felt was was, was kind of ugly for for subliminal reasons. They'll, they'll go off the page, you know what I'm saying? They go off screen. Yeah. His role right, yeah. was to communicate something else. And um, I didn't like that about him in this movie. So, you know, I don't really say that's uh, something that, I, that was bad about the movie, just what I walked away with. But uh, it was it was a well told story by by Vondi Curtis Hall, man. I'm not gonna not gonna take that from him. Um, but uh, so yeah, I I would say that uh, it was a good movie, man. You know, I, I liked it. And as far as the, the Tupac performance, I I didn't unfortunately, man. Right, I I didn't walk away with much of a different feeling, man. You know, other than a talent loss. You know what I'm saying. A talent loss. Oh yeah. Um, I I I want I want to see a if I saw we saw a part that played like 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 Ben mentioned man, we saw a part that played a heroin addicted bass player, um possibly a homosexual. (laughs) I want to see what I'm curious to know what the hell else he was gonna go with that talent. Yeah. No, I'm curious to see where else he was gonna go with that talent. I'll just say this too because I want to I want to mention this towards the end of the series, these two particular movie concepts of Tupac that we never saw. But I, I just wonder, and I want again, I want to go in detail on it, but I want to end on this. This movie is one of those movies, this, that, this performance really made me wonder what a Tupac as Nat Turner would have looked like oh, and a Tupac as Jody and Baby Boy would have looked like. <laughs> Because I don't know, just just know that I don't know if, if y'all, if you knew, if anybody knew those listening to society, that that was actually Tupac's role before Tyrese got it. Yeah, John, John Singleton actually had him established for that role, and yeah. I I wonder if he could have saved that detestable movie, but yeah. I, know, I guess we'll never know. Mm, it was a <laughs> lot. It, it it would be a lot for him to save. Oh. And I mean, we got another Tupac movie that's considered a black classic that I absolutely hate, but we'll talk about that when we get to the movie. So, oh. Oh, um, you know, I don't think he would have been able to save um, <laughs> Baby Boy just like he wasn't able to save that movie that I'm not going to mention right now. Okay, I'm, I'm glad you said that because you will be the voice that we have on um, to talk about the movie that's not to be mentioned and Baby Boy because <laughs> I want to have that discussion. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, 
with that said, Ben, uh, tell us a little bit about the Boulevard, man, and then we, right. we can be up. All right, so the Boulevard podcast is uh, basically a mash of um, where my interests lie. So pretty much um, hip-hop culture, um, sneaker culture, and professional basketball. Um, so, you know, the first few episodes, it was me and my guy, Tavel. Um, going forward, is more than likely going to be um, myself and Derek and, you know, alternating guests from that point. But still the same premise, um, just barbershop talk, just on a podcast level. So if y'all want to check out the previous episodes, that's all available for you. Um, a lot of hot takes. Once again, it's on the um, OTS network. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't I don't have a, a, a long, drawn-out explanation, but that, that's pretty much it. All right. I appreciate it, man. Well, uh, yeah, y'all, y'all go stream that, man. Another OTS original. Of the OTS family, uh, the Boulevard. Check that out. And uh, again, Ben, I appreciate you coming on, man, and, and chopping this one up with me. And we're gonna have you on for a couple of more of these. For sure. Hey, thanks for having me. And real talk, any episode you wanna have me on, let me know. If I find out if y'all doing the movie that I wanna do, I'm gonna let y'all know. So just pencil me in whenever, and I got, I, I got it. Oh yeah, we're gonna get off mic, man, and, and talk about a couple of movies that uh, that I want to have you on. So definitely, man, uh, the, the society will be having you on, and we'll be hearing you again, man. All right, bet. Appreciate, Appreciate you, bro. All right, well, uh, that's that's a wrap for this uh, episode one. Gridlock, man. Again, I think all of us recommend it, right? Can we say oh, yeah. say that? Yeah, I recommend it for sure. Yeah, recommend. You know, go see this one. You know, you can stream it on amazon prime i know uh if you don't have stars you can get a seven day free trial watch the movie and cancel that shit like i'm gonna do um yes, after sir. after you know just go check it out on on on, on stars uh on amazon streaming on that and if you have stars it's uh it's actually featured on stars gridlock came out in 1997 tupac shakur tim roth uh dandy newton Lucy Liu is in this, the legendary, you know, black movie uh, high priest, Bokeem Woodbine is, is in this. Um, I mean, black movie on, legend. Yo, a legend yes, in sir. this. Uh, you, you can't really go wrong with the casting, man. I would say this is a low key classic, uh, shadowed by tragedy. So, um, you know, just, just go check it out, man. It's the first in our episode with this and the uh, legendary Tupac Shakur filmography. And with that, Watch a damn movie. No Chase Film Society. Done with it.